say I am your host Kay Edwards so how is everyone doing today spring is in the air or should I say summer the weather has been so gorgeous these last few days right a true display of one of the many blessings that our Lord gives to us and as always I pray that you all had a wonderful week. Well, my week was my pre- my week was pretty cool. The only thing that was a downer in my week was that I found out that I had lost a friend of mine last week. And as all you know, when you um experience the loss of someone in your life, it makes you reflect on how you knew them and one and what part they played in your life while they were alive, right? So this friend of mine was in a time of my life that I true I was having a ball. I mean, I was really having fun. But I know that I can never experience that again. I could never have that again in my life. Not that I won't have fun in other circumstances, but it will never be that type of it won't be that situation. And losing them reminded me of the phrase that we use sometimes to describe an incident as like once in a lifetime. But when you think about it, can I tell you that all of the occurrences in your life and my life are once in a lifetime? And when I say that, I'm stating that although it might seem similar, all circumstances are different. God doesn't repeat himself. And every encounter that you have, every experience, though it may seem like, why is this happening again? It's new. And any lesson that you have to gain or learn from it is given to you with a new perspective. And the perspective is always for his glory. You, It gives you a better understanding of what it is that you're going through, but ultimately 
everything is for his glory. And there was no need for God to repeat anything. He, his, if we say his mercies are new every day, why would he repeat circumstances for us? He's going to repeat our remembrance or our vision of the circumstance. It may seem like, oh, wow, I've done this before or I've been here before, but it's a new experience. It's a new, it's a new occurrence of what it is that you feel you've been there before with all for you to gain, like I said, to gain or learn a certain perspective. So with that, we can end our show. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> but in, in all seriously, in all seriousness, you know what I was doing? I was thinking about going back into the studio so that I can take calls. I actually miss taking phone calls. But then again, when I think about it, I say, mm, no, I have mixed feelings. I can't really tell if I can trust my feelings because I'm conflicted about everything these days. Have you ever, have you, okay, now I'm going through a period in my life now that it seems like I'm conflicted with everything. On one given day, I find myself questioning what it is that I'm doing. Am I the only one that's feeling like this? Or is it something in the atmosphere? But what I've begun doing is whenever I'm having a lot of doubts concerning anything going on with myself, I say, God, you are in control. And whatever I'm feeling, I will slow down and allow you to speak. Because at this point, what else is there to do? My thoughts are, are like, let me see. I feel like last year is finally catching up to me. Last year when I was trying to stay in control of what little that we were able to control has me thinking now, was I really controlling anything at all? I mean, <laughs> I think everything that had occurred with us, and that's probably why you see so many people having so much uh, difficulty dealing with certain issues. Like I've been out this week and even though the weather was gorgeous, the weather was beautiful. It was a lovely spring day. People are able to now walk around more establishments are opening and opening longer. The government is easing back on the restrictions. People are agitated they're agitated and any little thing sets them off I was noticing it I was in the mall I had to pick up a couple of items in Target and we're waiting online you know you're walking how they do it now you know every store has set up the one major line even though you have several counters that you can check you know check out in Everybody has the one line and they feed you like, you know, from a queue. They show, they tell you where to go and, you know, who's going to attend to you. People will come up. Oh, what line are you on? What line are you on? How, where have you been? What rock did you just come out of? There's always one line 
all the time, everywhere. What line are you on? I I, it, I don't know. It just baffled me. So I, I, I don't know. But <laughs> I just say that to say, I think last year is catching up with a lot of us and our minds are trying to process everything that we might have been going through because we're starting where they're easing restrictions we're starting to ease the restriction on ourselves because remember we had conditioned ourselves to be restricted to only doing going and being in certain areas around you know certain people and performing certain tasks while we were there so I think now because we're trying to ease back on our own restrictions to try to fit into the way society is going to be from now on, it's playing a, it's playing a little game with our heads. Like, okay, can we do this? Can we not do this? It's so it's a lot. So I just say all that to say in a nutshell, take your time when you're doing things, give yourself a pass when you're feeling a little overwhelmed when you're outside and you see all the commotion, all the people, all the, because that alone, after being away from everyone from so long and not having to deal with crowds, although we come from a metropolis where we're accustomed to always being in crowds, we are now starting to get back into it and it can feel a little overwhelming it can it's like ooh, you know what what's going on here it's too many people it's too many people you know it's too much too much is happening at one time because everyone is doing what they're doing and there's so many people doing what they're doing at one given time so it becomes overwhelming but i say that to say give yourself a pass when you feel overwhelmed or start to get anxious rather than get agitated because you can't understand why you're feeling like that and it's annoying you now because you know what is going on why can't I just do just take a deep breath and take a step back whomever is rushing to get wherever they want to go let them go time is they can what I'm trying to to tell people and what I say to people all the time is you can't bring back the time that you past well the time that passed last year I'm sorry that year is gone so whatever you did not do whatever money you did not obtain whatever opportunities you feel you missed forget it you you started anew pick up from here if we say his mercies are new every day, then everything that you think you missed or lost or passed you by last year, it will be new every day going forward. Just remember that it will be new because everything stopped last year for everyone. So we're all once again, starting from the same place. So just take a deep breath and continue. Enough about my mental wellness, <laughs> right? Enough. But today I would like to talk to us about 
And it probably has a lot to do with our well, well, mental wellness also. I want to know, are you walking the walk as much as you are talking the talk? Meaning, are the things that you say, are you living it? And do we really believe in everything that we say we believe in? And are we demonstrating what we believe on a daily basis? Can people look at us and say, that person means exactly what they say? I remember one time I met an individual when I was at work, right? And they were telling me that they had heard my name so much and they had heard so much about me that they got curious. They were like, well, who is this individual? So they said that people had, when they would ask, well, who is Kenya Edwards? You know, who is this Edwards person? People started describing me as being, oh, you know, she's very authoritative, right? So when I heard that, I was like, hmm, I'm very authoritative. Okay. But you know, sometimes people will use words in a certain, will, will use words in, in a context that they think it means one thing, but it might mean something else when they're using it. So I said, you know what, let me look up exactly and see what authoritative means, right? And authoritative, according to Webster, it means able to be trusted as being accurate or true, reliable, commanding, and self-confident, likely to be respected and obeyed. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, is that what people think of me? And then one person told me that I was described with a phrase. And she said that I, I was described as, she means what she says, and she says what she means. So I want to ask you, when people think about you and how you represent the kingdom of God, can they say that you mean what you say? And you say what you mean and you do what you say and you mean, <laughs> right? We have people that are calling on the name of the Lord, speaking as though they know him, but not living in the manner that would be pleasing to God at all. And as always, I, whenever I do a show, it is a, the huge, a huge portion of it is from self-reflection. Weaved through it. Because how can I ask you questions that I am not prepared to give the answer for myself? How can I expect all of you to do self-evaluation and me not do one as well? And that to me is the best part of doing this show. As I'm talking to you, as I'm giving you scriptures, as I'm teaching, I'm also learning. And that's what communication should be about. It should be a give and take. It, everyone should be able to learn from something that is being said about a given situation. Everyone should be able to take away something from it, right? Don't you agree? Now, when I ask that question, I'm not being judgy and 
I say that because there's a joke that I have with a girlfriend of mine. Whenever she calls and we have like our catch up session because we haven't spoken to each other in a while. The first thing she says to me is when we start really getting deep into the conversation is not that I'm being judgy, but and I always we laugh and I always correct her and say, yes, you are. But continue because all of us are judgy, even when we don't want to be. All of us are judgy. It's just in us and we're judgy because when we're judging others, it's almost as if it's a part of us that we're trying to clean up. And I've noticed that whenever we start judging something, it's usually because it's something God is trying to show us in ourselves so that we're judging it at others. Cause of course with that, with the scripture of how could you talk about the speck in your brother's eye when you got the giant plank sticking out of your own, you know, it's like, uh, how could you even see what he's doing with all the stuff that you're doing? But I say that to say, I can't judge a person's heart. So I'm not judging anyone that's walking a certain way, saying that they don't love the Lord or they don't know the scriptures. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I just want you to measure your commitment to the Lord and measure it against scriptures that you know. And when you measure it against the scriptures, are you only taking a piece of the scripture that fits the way you want it to fit in your life at the moment? Or are you using it to measure its entirety, the entire scripture and the entire context context in which it was stated? Or are you measuring yourself against what people think you are or who you should be or what they believe Christians should be, right? Or better yet, are you measuring yourself by the church, the church folk that you hang around? You know, they have a certain way that they see you, that they feel that everyone should respond to things, how everyone should, you know, think about everything happening in the world. No, God's going to, there's, there's your way. There's their, their way. And then there's the truth. God always wants you to base what you think and feel according to his scriptures and on the truth. So that's my question. When I say, are we walking the walk as we're talking the talk? How are we really playing out our lives for others to see us? And that's why our text today is going to come from the books of Peter, 1st, 2nd Peter, right? Because here it is. I'm going to start off with Proverbs 14, 12 reminds us that there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, is the weight of death. We do what we feel, but is it just? We follow what society says is true, but it is not. And that's something I want you to think about. Second Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts, whose heart is loyal to him. In this, 
you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Meaning that we have not kept our hearts loyal to God. Because we are forever in battles. Battles with other nations. Battles within our nation. Battles within our homes. Battles within ourselves. And most of the time, the problems that we are fighting start from within. So, like I said, let's start with what we should do as living our life according to the Apostle Peter. Today, our text is going to come from the scriptures in First and Second Peter, and we're going to analyze how it can affect the way we are walking in our life today being Christians. And let me just give you a little background about Peter. When Peter wrote his, his writings, he more so was speaking from the perspective of having messed up in his mind, messed up with the Lord as being a disciple, but then he wanted everyone to understand. You can't just say that you're one thing. You have to live and show that you are that thing that you're saying you are. Meaning that rather than just know the doctrine, you have to live the doctrine. You have to make it practical. You have to make it every day so that there's no there's no questioning, there's no misunderstanding that that's who you are, that's who you believe, and that's what you're doing. Your life every day in all your interactions, personal and business, should be a demonstration of what you say you believe when it comes to the scriptures and the gospel and God. So now, keeping that in mind, we start out with 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16. Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And when in that scripture, when he's using the word holy, the word holy is actually meaning set apart. When you're holy, you're set apart. So what God was saying, because I'm set apart from everything that has to do with sin, I can't look at sin. I can't see sin. I know, I know nothing of sin. That's what he's, he wants us to do. He wants us to be separate from the world and the way that they think, the way that they judge things, the way that they conform to circumstances because we don't think like them. We're supposed to think like him. So if we're thinking like him and moving like him and living with his mindset, we would be separate and apart from the rest of the world, right? And then Peter also wants to remind us in 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So there he's letting you know, that's where the separation comes in. Because you must view yourself as being different, as being a special people who were created to praise him. He called you out of the darkness so that you are the light, right? And that you, you have mercy. You didn't have mercy before, but you now have mercy. Moving down to second Peter chapter three, verses 13 to 17. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Meaning like when I said in the beginning, when you're walking and you, when you're walking your walk and talking your talk, are you walking your walk according to your talk or are you, you know, shying away from living the way you say that you believe you are, right? It's better to, to, it's better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Like if people are going to mock you because of what you believe or because of the way you live your life, let them do so. Because what he's saying is the world that we're up against, and this is something that we're seeing every day. Whenever you want to speak truth, you're bombarded with opposition. No one wants to hear that. Everybody wants to hear whatever it is that they want to do, whatever they feel. It just let me be me. Let me be me. And sometimes you being you is not the right thing for, for everyone else. It might be right for you, but it might not be right for everyone else. Because if, and I say that to say, okay, what about if you being you means that you just want to walk around and chop people up all day long? That's not good for everybody else. It might make you feel good, but that's not good for everybody else. And I, I know that's an extreme of an example, but I want people to be able to understand when they say, oh, just allow me to be me because you're being you, you might see it as just a little tiny thing. So what if that's what I want to do? It's not harming anybody, but I'm talking about people on a larger scale. There are some of us who on a larger scale want to just be themselves and it is detrimental to the rest of society. So I say that if you're going to be looked at or judged or thought about in a certain light, let them look at you or judge you because of the good that you're trying to do rather than the evil that's out there. And you're just adding on to it, right? That makes sense. Peter made a lot of sense when he said that. So all those scriptures we got out of first Peter, 
And in first Peter, he was more so giving people a direction of how to go about having the, you know, walking, beginning to walk your walk as you have become, as you have begun following the scriptures and living for Christ and becoming, you know, a follower. So now once you're in the kingdom, this is where second Peter comes in. This is what he's expecting of us once we're now in the kingdom. And I'm going to start from second Peter one, two to 10. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love for if these things are yours and abound you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even in blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins therefore brethren be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For, such, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now that right there, those scriptures that I just read are a mouthful. There are so many nuggets included in that. And those are the ones that can help you walk your walk as you're talking your talk. Now, let's just go back up to the top. It says he has given us divine power pertaining to all things to, of life and godliness. Right. And he's called us by glory and virtue. And that he has given us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, all that, all that, if you just think about it, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That means that everything that you're looking for, everything that you seek, everything that you hope to obtain, he's given it to you already. And we've spoken about this. He's given you all things in you. It's just for you to take the time to manifest them, to come out of you in order to be the better person that you want to be in order to be that better version of yourself. And even with when he says, also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, add to your faith, because all of us are given a measure of faith. And he's saying, if you add virtue, if you add knowledge, if you add self-control, if you add perseverance, if you add godliness, if you add brotherly kindness, and if you add love, when all these things are with 
in you, you will not be barren and you will not be unfruitful in the knowledge of him. So all those things add to add and help you to bring forth everything that he has already given you, which pertains to life and godliness. But he says, those of us who lack those things, we are short-sighted and we're blind. And do we don't remember that it was he who was cleansed. He was he who has cleansed us of our old sins. So all those things, and it's, it's just so simple. If you just remember this, if you just remember this in your walk, it'll help you continue in the way that you should, right? And it will help you. It says, if you do these things, you will never stumble. So you don't ever have to worry about making a mistake because when you're thinking about everything happening, what you should do, especially to knowledge, self-control. And that's what a lot of people are lacking today. That's self-control. People just do not want to have self-control with anything. They want to control everybody else. They want to control what everybody else is doing, but they don't want to, they don't want to exercise self-control. And those, I think those scriptures are even so powerful, right? So if you do all these, all those things that was referenced that we just spoke about, you should be able to not only speak what is in your heart, but to live it as well. Because being a Christian is knowing that you are always a work in progress, learning daily and striving to become your best self. Peter wanted us to learn to live the doctrines, as I said, not just learn them. And it is through living out the word of Christ daily that we will be able to be effective Christians and witnesses of Christ in the world or in a world that refuses to acknowledge that he exists. So let's continue that journey together. And with that, I say it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. I have looked for you in the mountains, waiting for the ground to shake. I searched the sky for something
Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is time for the part of the show that I've called Op-Ed. In Op-Ed today, I'd like to talk about what happened to the people that bum-rushed the White House back in January. Have you noticed that we haven't heard anything about that? Well, it could just be me because we are we are bombarded with so much information on a daily basis that maybe it just passed me by perhaps. Is there something that happened that I missed out on? Because I have not heard a peep out of anyone talking about that, looking into that, you know, what happened to those people? Like, what are they doing? Did they have their day in court already? I'm I'm just, I'm just curious to know what happened with that. And what made me think about that, I'm gonna tell you what really brought it back to my mind is when Liz Cheney was ousted from her seat, from her position, not her seat, from her position that she held in the, um, the Senate, I believe she was in. I believe she was in the Senate and they ousted her because she actually stood on the Senate floor and spoke the truth. She was saying that all the lies and rhetoric that was perpetrated by the previous administration, we should not as a Republican party continue to perpetuate because it's hurting our party. How are we going to bring others in if we keep, if we keep festering and keep, expanding upon this lie like as if that's the representation of us and they in so many words said shut up and sit down we don't want to hear you we want to do what we want to do let's replace her she's replaceable and that's exactly what they did they replaced her now she held the number three position in the senate and they said because she's not for everything that we want to do with the party and stick with everything Trump, because she blatantly came out and said, as long as she is in the, in politics, she will make sure that he never steps foot anywhere near the Oval Office again. (laughs) Now she said this on the Senate floor and they're like booing her and telling her that, you know, she's got to go. But now here's the twist to the story. There's a senator out of Wyoming, well, not a senator, but there's a person out of Wyoming, a Republican, who wants to run against Cheney in 2022, right? Because she voted to impeach Donald Trump because of the insurrection, right, on January 6th. So now here's the story behind this guy. He's he's the senator, Anthony um, 
Bochard. I believe that's his name, Bochard. And uh, he wants to run against her for her seat in the Senate. But here's the scandal behind him. Somebody leaked the story that when he was 19, he got a 14-year-old pregnant. Yep, you heard me right. When he was 19, he got a 14-year-old pregnant, and he deems it as a Romeo and Juliet type of love affair. He ended up marrying her when she was 15 and he was 19. And in the state of Florida at that time, when they got married, you can marry anyone of any age as long as the judge and the parents consent because, you know, if the person's pregnant or whatever, they'll let you marry him. So he married her and then she killed herself at age 20. So now here he is, age 55. He's living his life, second marriage, has a business that he's doing with his marriage, making money with his wife, making money. Now, the son that they had out of this relationship, the son has nothing to do with him. So I'm sure there's more to that story as well. But when you think about it, they were teenagers, of course. What, you know, teen, we see the outcome of teenage pregnancies and what happens to the children if they're not guided, you know, properly in raising you know, the children that they have. But now he says he wants to run against Liz Cheney so that he can, you know, get rid of her so that they can continue to be the Republican Party that they're supposed to be. So now this story is going to get juicier. We're going to follow this to see where this all ends up. But this is exciting. But that it was that story. It was the whole, you know, trying to uproot Liz Cheney from her seat in the Senate that got me remembering, hey, wait a minute, what happened to those people that did that insurrection on January 6th? So if anyone knows anything about it, drop me an email, whatwouldksay at gmail.com or hit me up on my Instagram and tell me what you know about it. Send me a story, something in my private messages or whatever, so I could talk about it on the air. Now, in other news, I want to talk about, you know, this is New York news. So if you're not from New York, I'm sorry, but I, you know, I do things, all things local. New York lost a seat. Speaking of seats, New York lost a seat in the house because, drum roll please, please, 89 people didn't fill out the census. 89 people. Really? It couldn't even be something like 150 or 500 people didn't fill. 89 people didn't fill out the census. So for that, we lose a seat in the house. We lose school funding. We lose money for infrastructure. We lose money for affordable housing. All that money that we would have gotten from the federal government, we lose. So now I say all that to say. For those of you who did not fill out the census, and you know I had reminded you on several occasions, you even had Cardi B on TV making commercials telling you to fill out the census in English and in Spanish. For all of you who did not fill out the census, shame on you. So when things don't go your way, when you got a pothole on your street, when you break your axle because your tire runs over that pothole that they have not fixed, don't say anything. Don't even open your mouth. Just pull your car to the nearest auto body shop 
and get your axle fixed. End of story. So now when your kid is back in the classroom and they don't have, because they never have supplies from what I understand, whenever they don't have, don't see anything. Now, we already know that we were already being cut when it came to money given for schools. We already know that. The money might come here, but the money never gets into the schools. We know that. But can you imagine now? The money's not even going to come here for it not to even get to the school. At least when it came here, there was some type of hope that maybe it would get to the school. But now it's not even going to come here that we can't even have a sliver of hope that it might get to the school. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. When you're looking for that apartment and you're wondering why everything is sky high, because we already know in New York and in Brooklyn, rents are sky high. But when you're really looking for that one little place, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't find anything anywhere. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Because whoever you were, if you did not fill out that census, don't say anything. That's all I have to say. In other parts of op-ed, what was there? Oh, we have um, mayor, um, mayor, mayoral, <laughs> mayoral race coming up. And we have the primaries that are going to take place June 22nd. But now New York has gone to this new choice ranking system where you get all the candidates that are running and you rank them by choice as to who you want to see on the ballot in November. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I guess it's the same thing rather than, you know, just voting to see who, you know, just, I guess it, it turns out to be the same thing because you're, you're putting them in order. So I guess what makes it better is because you're only able to vote before you were only able to vote for the one person. Okay. This is who I wanted to run in the, you know, to be for our mayor. Now you can do it by choice. Cause if you actually liked two or three candidates, you can say, okay, this is my first choice. This is my second choice, third choice. Depending on the number of people in the race, that's how many choices you get to choose. They've been sending out leaflets and pamphlets explaining everything prior to June 22nd. But as you know, in New York, nobody's reading anything that's coming in the mail if it looks like junk mail. So, and I plan on working this primary as well. So I know at that poll, there's going to be chaos because people are going to be asking 50 million questions. But you can look it up online and find out for yourself. So when you get to the poll, you won't have 50 million questions. You might only have 25 million questions. How about that? And with that, I'm going to, of course, you know, I'm going to speak more about this in the coming uh, weeks before we get to the primary because we are also going to have early voting in here in New York. And with that, that ends up Ed. Now, I see I'm getting close to my time. I want to go over our word of the month. Last week, we had a repeat show because, you know, sometimes I just need to take a break. And think about it. During the whole pandemic, I was doing all new shows. So that's why I had so many shows that I can throw up again as a repeat. But it was still very, very timely because it was a good segue into what we talked about this week. But our word of the month for May is still revive. It's still revive because we're still trying to bring out again what's within us, correct? Remember, revive means restore to life or consciousness. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to revive ourselves in this year so that we're able to continue 
the journey because of the little pause that we had from last year. And our promise for this week is going to come from, our promise is coming from Deuteronomy 28 and 1. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And that is our promise for this week. Diligently obey and you will be set above. And with that, I'd like to say, COVID is still out there, people. Although you don't hear them talking about it as much. Everybody's talking about opening up. Everybody's talking about congregating. Everybody's talking about restaurants can stay open till 4 a.m. Bars can keep serving, yelling last call at 355. Everyone's all happy. And I'm happy for them if they're happy. But I still want you to remember, oh, yes, the CDC, the CDC says that Everyone who is fully vaccinated no longer has to wear a mask in indoors or outdoors. But I say this, there were people that weren't wearing masks and wasn't thinking about taking a vaccine, nor have they taken one. So you be mindful of yourself, do what you feel is most comfortable for you. If you feel safe enough to ditch the mask, then ditch it. But I would say stay on the side of caution because you don't know those people not wearing a mask if they really did take the vaccination or not. And since COVID is still out there and we can still catch it, be careful. Still continue to wash your hands. And if you don't feel comfortable about the people you're around or the environment that you're in, Social distance. There's nothing wrong with social distancing. Just because they said that everything is opening up and we're now going to be allowed to go out again and live life doesn't mean we have to be packed on top of each other like cattle. Just something to think about. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Remember to walk the walk, to go with the talk that you're talking. And with that, God willing, I will see you all again next week. Peace. I'm no longer bound by what I used to be. The memories got me hurting. Can't believe that I turned my back on you I'm stronger now than I ever was All because of your Holy Spirit Living inside of me And when my heart's torn in two And I'm trying to live for you And let that still small voice Remind me of these words Yeah there's no better way to really say I love you than to do what you say, do what you say every day. There's no better day to start again than right here, right now. 
worship your holy name, Jesus, my everything. All this. 